Psalm 62. Let's read the whole psalm. Our text is found in verse 8. Psalm 62. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. For him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain all of you. As a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They shall consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times. You people pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression. Become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou rendest to every man according to his work. Trust in him, verse 8, at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray now that, Lord, you would help us this morning to glorify you in our listening. Father, I pray that you'd help us by thy Spirit to understand what the psalmist exhorts every true believer unto this morning, to trust in you at all times. Trust, what a foreign virtue to fallen man. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand the excellency of this divine virtue which you've given us in Christ. Lord, that we can trust you at all times, no matter our circumstances, no matter our situations. Lord, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified this morning in lifting up yourself. Show us, Lord God, we pray, the rich blessings of which the psalmist speaks and write it upon our hearts so that we can truly say we trust in God at all times. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. Trust in him at all times. Trust is a foreign concept to fallen man since the entrance of sin into the world. Man has lost the blessings which come with trust. Let me begin by asking every one of you a question this morning. How many people, friends, family, 
certainly not foe, but how many people do you truly trust? Now, when I say that, I mean not just simply trust with occasional things or certain circumstances. How many people can you truly confide in that you can trust with your deepest, darkest secrets, cares, worries, heartaches, and sorrows? How many people can you truly trust? I dare say that we could probably count them on one hand. Probably less than two fingers. Trust is a virtue which sinful man knows nothing of. And yet the psalmist here exhorts every true believer to trust in God at all times. When I read these words of the psalmist, it inspires my heart to know more perfectly the blessed truth of which he speaks. To trust in the Lord, who is our rock and our salvation, our defense and our refuge, and that at all times. In every situation of life, even unto death itself, to trust God in such a manner should be the desire that burns within the heart of every true believer. To trust in the Lord with all your heart in all times, in every situation, in every circumstance of life, and even in death. When we read this, we should have the desire of David when he said in Psalms 119 concerning God's law, I would run the way of this commandment if God would but enlarge my heart. Enlarge my heart to trust you more. For like all things concerning true Christianity, the promises found in this glorious verse cannot be obtained or it's divine comforts enjoyed without divine assistance. For the trust of which the psalmist speaks can only flow from a heart which has truly received and embraced the grace of God which is in Christ Jesus. A sinner cannot and will not trust in God. But oh, when the grace of God is received and embraced by the true believer. This is something that every true believer desires and longs to enjoy, to embrace, to be able to trust God. Do you know the comforts of what it is to trust somebody? That's rare amongst men. But to just fathom in our minds as God's people that God has given us the ability and the blessings in Christ Jesus to be able to put all our trust in Jehovah God. What a blessing that is. What a comfort and encouragement that should be for every child of God to know that I can come to God with every burden, with every care, with every heartache, with every sorrow. I can, I can come to Him with my deepest desires, my deepest secrets. And I can trust Him 
I'm getting ahead of myself, but how many of us, many of us here this morning, are old enough to know the heartaches and sorrow of putting our trust in man only to see it fail? Our hearts be broken. We trust and confide in someone, and they turn around and abuse that or exploit that trust. No, dearly beloved, it's rare. It's rare to exercise any trust amongst men. And few, very few there be of whom we truly trust. And yet the trust of which the psalmist speaks goes much deeper and much more intimate than any trust we could put in man. Trust, especially trust in God, dearly beloved, is a foreign concept. It's an impossibility in sinful fallen man. For since the entrance of sin in the world, trust, especially amongst men, has become an accursed thing. Jeremiah says, or, I'm sorry, Proverbs said, For thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. That's Jeremiah chapter 17. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man. And Proverbs 28, even he who trusts in his own heart is declared a fool. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. Even he who trusts in his own heart is declared a fool in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 6. You know, you don't hear much nowadays about this virtue of trust because it's rare. You know, they say the rarity of something makes it valuable. And trust must be a most invaluable virtue because very little people speak of it. Trust. Yet here the psalmist exhorts us to trust in God at all times. The trust of which he speaks is a divine work of grace within the heart of every true believer. And it's nourished and sustained by that same grace of God. You see, this isn't something that we build up, something that we manifest, something that we create of our own. It's by the working of grace in our hearts by Christ Jesus that we begin to trust in God. It's not any ability of man. This is not for the elite few, if I can use that expression. This is for all true believers, anyone and everyone who has received the grace of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God has imparted to you this virtue of trust, and he will nourish it, and he will sustain it. For the perfection of his saints is a task which we sang in our hymn. The perfection of his saints is a task God takes upon himself and will leave to no other, especially this virtue of trust. Do you know that God sovereignly and providentially teaches us by his grace to trust in him? Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is not some kind of mystical or supernatural experience. God, by his sovereign providence, teaches us to trust in him. He'll put us in situations in life that teaches us the vanity of trusting in others and in ourselves 
but trusting in Him. This is the wonderful grace of God. This is His grace and love and tender mercy and kindness towards His people. He not only imparts this trust into our hearts, but He Himself nourishes it and He Himself sustains it. And I'm not saying that every time He's teaching us this lesson, it's comfortable to the flesh. But God teaches us to trust in Him. And all when we're struggling with problems and sorrows and heartaches, so often we run to the flesh. We run to somebody we know, our family, our friends, our loved ones, and we try to confide in them and trust in them. And it's as though sometimes we can't get through to them. Even the closest of our loved ones. And yet when we turn to God and trust Him and pour out our hearts before Him, we learn something of the trusting in God of which the psalmist speaks. Psalm 138 says that God will perfect that which concerneth me. It is God who teaches us to trust in Him. Isaiah 26 for that says, For thou hast wrought all our works in us. Philippians chapter 2. The word of God said, It is God that worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You see, it is God who imparts, who nourishes, who sustains this trust of which the psalmist speaks. Isaiah 64 says, O Lord, thou art, thou art our Father. We are the clay. And thou art potter. And we are all the work of thine hand. The potter is our Father. <laughs> what a wonderful analogy. We're a lump of clay in the hands of the Father who is the potter. And he molds us and makes us according to his good pleasure. Oh, dearly beloved, God will perfect that which concerneth us because of the work of Christ. It's no merit of our own. It's nothing that we learn of our own. It's nothing that we conceive of our own. The trust of which the psalmist speaks is a divine work of grace. And God himself nourishes it and sustains it and teaches us. It's not learned in the school of men. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Not want or lack anything concerning this life and eternity. Present physical needs as well as all spiritual needs. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why shall we not want? Because the Lord is my shepherd. He will sustain me. He will nourish me. He will keep me. He will preserve me. Both my physical and spiritual needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We should quote that verse quite often, if not daily. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Before we leave the house, we should say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. 
First Peter says this, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Listen to these words. His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Psalm 62. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. I wish we'd spend more time concentrating, meditating upon what Peter's saying. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. To the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Oh, if we could just comprehend just a fragment of what Peter is talking about, our lives would be utterly changed. Radically, radically changed. Do we know what we have in Christ? Are we aware of all the blessings that Christ has obtained for us in His salvation? Not just merely the forgiveness of sins, which is of itself unmerited mercy and grace, but all the blessings, the great and exceeding precious promises of God are ours in Christ Jesus. Beloved, God has not only saved us from the corruption in this world, but He's given us everything we need as Christians to live and love God. This is why Job talks about the hypocrite saying, His hope shall perish. He has no hope. He professes to have hope, but he has none and it shall perish. But beloved, what we have in Christ is exceeding great and precious. Therefore, the psalmist says, trust in him at all times. Like I said, this is not some mystical or supernatural experience. Where suddenly I feel good and I feel bubbly and my hair stands up and oh, I, I trust in God. This isn't how God works in his people. But being imparted by the grace of God, it is then nourished and sustained by God who providentially, with much wisdom and care, strengthens us in this great virtue. He will strengthen us in this virtue of trusting in God. How much do we, this morning as God's children, how much do we trust God? I didn't say how much faith we have in God. Faith and trust, many say, are the same thing, but they're not. Trust is a fruit of faith. Trust must be founded in faith. But trust is not completely identical to faith. We say we have faith in God when it comes to salvation, but we, do we trust God at all times? When our lives are not going as we would wish them to be. When circumstances in life become troubling and trying, when afflictions or persecutions come, when hard times come, do we trust in God? Do we trust Him? I didn't say not have faith. Do we trust Him 
to deliver us? Are we relying upon Him and His ability, His strength, and His character? That's how you learn to trust somebody. When you first met your spouse, you didn't say, Oh, I trust you enough. Let's just get married. Unless you was me. Uh, and within 15 minutes, I met my wife. I said, I'm going to marry you. Of course, I wasn't completely aware of that, but uh didn't know what happened. But, I mean, you don't learn trust that quickly, do you? No, we, we, we learn trust when we learn one another, their character, and their abilities. And God teaches us trust the same way. When we first got saved, oh, we trusted Christ for the salvation of our souls, which I hope and pray some of you this morning that know no Christ would understand the simplicity of that by God's grace. Just trust in Christ to save your soul. Trust Him. Trust Him. We, so many people get under conviction and go through so many loopholes. They go through so many things. And the hardest, uh, the hardest thing is for people who've sat under preaching for a while because they got all that knowledge that has done nothing for them and they try to jump through the loops and they try to jump through the... You need to understand it's simply trusting in Christ. Trust in Christ to save your soul. But God does that. God puts us in situations in life and teaches us to trust Him, teaches us that we can trust Him. We learn through these things that God is faithful. We learn that His love is everlasting. Speaking to a man last week about salvation, and the subject of love came up, and I said, Love, God loves me like an everlasting love. It never changes. Speaking to my wife this morning about all the changes through our lives, different people we've met who we've trusted in, and then that trust was exploited or abused or whatever, for whatever reasons. There's not been a human being in this world that I can say that has earned my trust as much as God has. People change. People that we walked with years ago and we thought, oh, you remember? Oh, this friendship will never end. Oh, man, I'm telling you, we're going to live together. We're going to grow up. Remember when you was growing up and you said, well, we're going to live together. We're going to grow up. We're going to get jobs together. We're going to live together. We'll always be best friends and buddies. Or you had a friend that was really close. Over time and years, we separate. There's only one individual there's only one that has never changed in in the 40 years i've been a christian but even 64 years in my life there's only one that's never changed he's never exploited my trust he's never abused it he's never changed he's always been the same he's remained the same he's been trustworthy he's been there for me he's he's been my rock my refuge like the psalmist says he's been my expectation and that's god he's the only one that has never changed In all the times I've disappointed Him, and all the times that I've even sinned and failed, He's never disappointed me. I can still trust Him. Human beings are not like that. Abuse or neglect, intentionally or unintentionally, somebody's trust and they'll never trust you again. Yet, it's not the same with God. You know why? Because of the wonderful work of Christ's salvation. Oh, it has given us so many, so many blessings. Great and exceeding precious promises. 
to the knowledge of Him. Christ has given us so much more than merely an eternity in heaven. He's given us so much more. If we could just grasp the surface of that. He's given us so much more. Trust in Him at all times. Not merely occasionally. Not seasonally. But the psalmist says at all times. Times of abundance as well as poverty. If God blesses you with riches, trust Him. If God brings poverty, trust Him. In times of affliction as well as in times of joy, trust Him. In times of sorrow and heartache as well as happiness, trust Him. That's why I said, when I asked you if you trust God, I didn't say if you had faith in God. Well, there's a lot going on right now in Texas with the weather and the heat and a lot of things, farmers, things like that are under a lot of stress. No rain in sight, maybe Wednesday, Lord willing. I don't ask if you have faith in God, I ask if you have trust in God. Well, if God doesn't send it, trust in Him at all times. There's a difference. There's a difference. Trust. Oh, and I'm not saying that lightly. Believe me. We've all, I believe, lived through times. Myself as well, where it seems as though God lets us go to the very end of ourselves. The very end of what we have. But God always shows up at the right time, doesn't he? His time. His timing. is Perfect. Trust in God. Trust Him in life as well as in death. If we don't trust God in life, we'll have difficulty trusting Him in death. The psalmist said in Psalm 48, 14, For this God is our God forever and ever. This God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. You see? Even unto death. Trust. And again, I remind you, trust is an evidence. It's a fruit of faith. Faith is the foundation. Faith is the cornerstone. That's where we start with. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But out of that faith must arise trust, of which God imparts and which God nourishes and sustains in all aspects of life. Trust in Him at all times. Do you trust me to get through this? Yes, Father, I trust you to get through this. Do you trust me for this? I trust you for that. You're approaching that great divide, that final enemy. Do you trust me? Yes, Father, I trust you. Because you'll guide me, even unto death itself.
It's an amazing virtue. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I love how the Word of, word of God used that word taste. Peter does it too. If you've tasted that he's precious. Taste it. Taste means a personal, intimate thing. If I asked you to explain to me what a banana tastes like, what would you say? Uh, I don't know, like a banana. No, you'd have to come up and say, you've got to taste it yourself. We need to stop trying to live in the shadows of other people's experiences. Taste for yourself that the Lord is good. Taste it. Put it in your mouth and let the buds, let it taste your taste buds, spiritual taste buds, let it feed upon Christ. What do you think Christ said in John 6? Unless you eat my flesh, feed upon me. Feed upon the things of Christ. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste it for yourself that the Lord is good. And then he goes on to say, Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Who is the man that trusted him? And why is he blessed? It's because he's tasted and seen for himself that the Lord is good. You know, Job, after extenuating a long time, began to weaken a little bit. But at the end of chapter 1, Job showed us all a little bit of this truth when God took so many things away from him. And Job said, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Isaiah 26.3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. Why? Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. Again, I say it. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. That's why. You see what? Trusting in God brings perfect peace. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but in our verse here, in our passage of Scripture here, he doesn't say, the psalmist doesn't say, trust him because you understand what God's doing, or trust him because you understand the circumstances, or God's explained to you why he's doing what. He said, trust him at all times. He didn't say, he didn't even try to say, but you need to understand the circumstances, then you can trust him. No, you tr sometimes God says, trust me, but God, I don't see anywhere to go. I don't see which path to take. I don't know what to do. Trust in me. But Lord, I need to see something. No, God said, trust in me. Show me something. Gideon's fleece was an exception. Well, here, I'll just throw this out, and if you make it wet, then I... That was an exception to the rule. God doesn't always do that. Well, God, if you'll show me what you want me to do, I'll trust in you. God says, no, trust in me before I show you what to do. Oh, that's challenging. That's challenging. And you know where I believe that trust comes in and shines forth the greatest? Listen to me. Is when and if God gives us a chance to look death in his face and we take that final step from this present life into eternity and God said, trust me. But Lord, I want to see something for trust me. But Lord, I want to sense something first. No, trust me. Lord, I want to feel good. No, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. 
What an amazing thing it is to trust God. Amazing blessing it is. Do you remember, dearly beloved, when God wrought salvation upon your soul and you understood for the first time what it was to trust Jesus Christ with your eternal soul? To trust your eternity into the hands of God. How is it then that we can express or convey such wholehearted trust in God? Look at Psalm 62, verse 8. I want you to see this part. He says, Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before God. I don't see, I don't sense any direction, any way. What do I do? The psalmist tells us. This is how you trust in him all times. Pour your heart out before God. Now, if, if you understand anything about the depravity of man and what Christ had saved us from and that how we are at enmities with Christ, if you understand anything about the doctrine of the depravity of man, this should richly richly bless your soul that you're enabled by God's grace and by Christ's salvation to pour your heart out before the almighty God who cares. In other words, the psalmist is saying, God cares so much for you, he wants to hear your heart. He wants you to pour it out. Don't just say, well, God, I'm in need of this. Pour it out. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm in need. God, I'm in distress. God, I don't know what to do. My soul giveth way. I panteth after you like a heart panteth after a water brook. God, when shall I see God? When shall I come and appear before God? That's pouring your heart out before God. And let me tell you, that's something that is beautiful in the eyes of God. It's not only the divine fruit of our trusting in God, but like the church in Solomon's song, it is the honey and milk under her tongue, which is very pleasing and pleasant to her beloved. Come north wind, blow upon my garden, that I may eat the fruits thereof. That's a picture of trials blowing upon God's children, bringing about that fruit which God feeds upon. He said, this is the fruit of it. This is the blessing of it. It glorifies God. That God would want to hear my deepest desires, my deepest sorrows and heartache. That God would want to know what's in my heart, even though He does. But He'd want me to express it. Beloved, that is a blessing which should force us, constrain us to pray every day. God is interested. The Almighty, thrice holy, sovereign Jehovah God wants me to pour out my heart before Him. This is how we convey. This is how we express our trust in God. <laughs> the Word of God said in Proverbs twenty three twenty five, My son, give me thine heart. Give me your heart. Lord, I don't know what to do. I know. I don't know which way to go. I know. I'm frustrated by my circumstances, situation. I know. But Lord, I'm giving you my heart. I'm pouring my heart out. And beloved, I'm not saying that God would instantly change our outside circumstances, but I'm telling you one thing, the peace of God that He gives us that passes all understanding, that perfect peace is all we'll need. 
whether it comes or whether it does not come, I've got peace with God. You see, that's the difference. Having peace with God. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. It's only when we give God our hearts that our eyes are going to be able to observe his ways. Give God your heart. Isn't that amazing that God wants our heart? In other words, he's saying, I want your most deepest affection. What is the great commandment? Not the greatest, the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Give me your heart. Isn't it amazing that we have a God that doesn't require sacrifice? It's already been given in Christ. He doesn't require us to do anything. He simply says, give me your heart. Hannah, remember when she was crying before God? And the priest thought she was drunken? Remember what Hannah said? She goes, I've not been drinking, she said, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. I've poured out my soul before the Lord. How do we express such trust? How do we convey such trust? By pouring our heart out before God. Ye people, pour out your hearts before Him. Beloved, most of us have lived long enough to have experienced, like I said earlier, the great disappointment and heartache of trusting in man. Let them never be more sincere or desired. None, not even the greatest or closest of friends, even Christians, deserve to be trusted as much as God. He alone deserves to be trusted above all things. I'm not saying that we shouldn't trust and confide in one another. We should as Christians. But let me tell you something. We're merely men. We're flesh and blood. Nobody, even the greatest saint, should never be trusted as much as God. You trust God. You know why we're disappointed in, in, in other Christians? You know why we get disappointed when they exploit and abuse our trust? Because we had too much trust in them and not in God, enough in God. If we trusted God more, we wouldn't be so offended when our trust is exploited or abused by others. I'm telling you, that's the secret. This is why we have Christians holding grudges for years. That is un, unthinkable if you think about it. If we would have more trust in God than in man, we wouldn't have let that go that far to where we'd be so scarred by it that we'd act unchristian-like, unchrist-like. We'd say, no, Lord, it was my fault. I put too much trust in man. I don't care if he's the greatest preacher that ever lived. You don't put trust in man. You put it in God. You put it in God. If you do that, when you do get disappointed by putting your trust in men, it won't cause you to fall. You'll be able to say, well, man at his best state is what? Huh? Altogether vanity at his best state. Put not your trust in princes. Put it in God. I'm telling you, beloved, this is the key of not being disappointed when our fellow men, even our brothers and sisters, disappoint us when we trust in them. Put your trust in God. If you put too, too much trust in man, you're going to get disappointed. Yet to him, listen to this, to him, talking about God, 
who alone, Psalms 139, let me quote it to you, to him alone who knowest our downsittings and our uprisings, who understandeth our thoughts afar off, who compasseth of my path and my lying down, who, are, who is acquainted with all my ways, he who has beset me, hedged me behind me before, to him and to him alone do I pour out my heart. To him and to him alone do I pour out my heart. Oh, I can share you my burdens, but I'm not pouring my heart out to you. I'm pouring it out to God. One of our problems is we go to, we go to men for help. We go to flesh for help. And that's sad. We don't go to them for help. We can go to one another for comfort and encouragement. We should provoke one another to love and to good works. You know, those are all things we should be doing. But I'm telling you, brother, when we really need to trust in somebody, it's to God alone. To him alone, I will pour out my heart. To God alone. Trust him at all times. Psalms 62, verse 8. Trust him at all times. You people pour out your heart before him. Watch this. God is a refuge for us. He says that a lot in this text, in this passage. Chapter 62. God is a refuge for us. He's a refuge. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall direct thy path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him. In all thy paths. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. With all that said, let me bring this to a close with drawing your attention to how the psalmist begins. Because this, is, I believe, is the key to understanding how he got to verse 8. The key is in verse 1. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. Not that word waiteth means in this text. Silent. My soul is silent before God. Have you ever sat just silent before God? So many times we rush into God's presence and our mouth is running so fast we can't even keep up with our own words. We're in distress, we're in dismay, and boy, we're just looking for immediate help. Sometimes it's good just to go before God and sit in silence. David said, Lord, we beat the Philistines once. They're coming out of skin. What do you want me to do? You want me to go and take them? God said, no, go sit under that tree and wait till the leaves blow. When you see the wind blowing on the leaves, then go. Sit and wait on God. Last day of Jericho, remember? Don't blow your trumpet. Stop. Silence. Just wait. Elijah in the cleft of the rock. God wasn't in the fire, the thunder, the earthquake. What was it? Still small voice. Oh, beloved. We're in such hectic all the time. Our jobs, our family, our responsibilities. Take time out to be still and wait in silence before God. Find a silent place someplace. Open up the scriptures, read, and then just sit and silently ponder the things of God. Shut out the things of earth and your troubles and sorrows. And open your hearts up to your Father which is in heaven. Enter into thy closet and shut the door. We have such an amazing God. 
And it breaks my heart that there are so many people that profess to know him and yet know nothing, nothing about him. They know nothing of this trusting in him at all times because they've never trusted him for their own eternal salvation. Oh, my dear friend, I hope and pray that you would hear what the psalm says and that you would be constrained by envy and jealousy about what we have in Christ, that you would come to trust in Christ as your Savior and that you would learn to pour out your heart before God and to know that God is a refuge for us, safe haven. Beloved, trust in Him at all times. You people pour out your heart before God. God is a refuge for us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, how we pray that you'd help us to embrace by faith what the psalmist exhorts us unto, Father, that we might know something of this trusting in you at all times. Father, forgive us for putting our trust too often in our own hearts as well as in flesh, in men. Help us, Lord God, to know the comforts which come from only trusting in you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to know something of this in a greater degree, especially in this world in which we live so chaotic so much going on in the world, so much trouble. The beginning of sorrows have started. Father, I pray that you'd help us to turn to thee, to be silent, to wait upon thee, that we might learn evermore to trust in thee. Father, I pray for those who know not Christ. They know nothing of this wonderful blessing. There's no one they can trust. They believe they can trust their friends and loved ones, and yet that trust only goes so far. Lord, but the trust we have in Thee is infinitely greater and more intimate. I pray that they learn to trust their souls to Christ. May You be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.